drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Welcome to Drive-By Cinema. This is episode 14. And a Halloween special. Well, it isn't anymore going to be Halloween, is it? This is going to be out long after Halloween. Oh, okay. Uh, they're not a Halloween special, which is also... Yeah, we missed it. We did. Well, it's defining in the sense of hot dog, not hot dog kind of thing. You know, it's a not Halloween special. And I don't think that makes it undefined. I think we define it quite well. I'm your host, Rick. And this is your co-host, Paul. Good evening, everybody. What is the film that we're talking about this week? You're asking me this assuming that I know the answer or hoping that I don't know the answer, Rich. Well, I do know the answer. It's High Life from 2018. Uh, and it's a fabulous, fabulous romp into space gynecology, shall we say. <laughs> now, this was your one of your two choices, one of your two options. So you must have had some good reason for wanting us to see well, I did, but in the same way that you might want to go on a blind date, I think. You know, the thrill of the open road, the, the allure of the unknown, the exotic, the exotic enchantment that comes... From a new destination. I think I offered it up precisely knowing nothing about the movie, other than it was it was a recent sci-fi movie. So 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 if you're if you're looking for answers from me, Richard, as to why I chose it, or if you're looking for an apology, perhaps uh, you're not going to get one. <laughs> Do you know? It turns out yes. that loyal listener Alistair was going to Hi, suggest Alistair. this as a movie. It was destiny that we yes. were to do this. It's a movie that... Well, perhaps we'll get into that later. I have to pull you up, though, on some oh, corrections. Oh. Wait a minute. Corrections from the coming movie or, or from previous episodes? From previous Because episodes. if it was going to be from what we're about to say, I would say that's incredible time travel, Richard, and congratulations. But you've disappointed me. Just on, on, on the mundane past, is that right? Just on the mundane past. Go ahead. Slap me in the face with what I've said. Well, you did say... <laughs> What did I say? Well, you did prove it. Say dates, times. When I talked about the the Jovian moon of Io, you said, "Oh, what the biggest moon?" Something along those lines. You can, people can go back and re-listen to the episode. Yeah, I. Well, I was making a slack joke about Jupiter being the biggest god in the Roman path, 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 parsonage, Parthenon. Carthenon? I don't know. I'm making another mistake there. I was Pan- Pantheon. Pan- yes. I was making a, a slack, useless, probably quite annoying joke about Jupiter being, you know, the the, the foremost and utmost god in the pantheon of, of the Greek Greco Roman gods, and so it just was convenient to say Io was the biggest, the biggest moon. I'm sorry, it isn't the biggest moon, is it? It isn't the biggest moon, and it's been bothering me sorry. on and off for a couple of weeks now. Interestingly, Titan, which you think would be the biggest moon in the solar system, isn't the biggest moon in the solar system. No, because yeah. the biggest moon, as you were telling me, is... Is Ganymede, I think, which is a Jovian moon. And it's huge. Ganymede is a properly big moon. It's much bigger than our own moon. With three quarters of the size of Venus? I'm not sure. Huge, Gigantic. Man. It's planet-sized. Enormous. Sorry for anybody who thought that Io might be the biggest moon as a consequence of Paul's <laughs> ignorance. I also have to eat humble pie, though. Oh, you do? This is a rare occasion. Let's let's slow this down and savour it. Okay, this is like Christmas pudding, isn't it? It comes once a year. When we were talking about Roche limits. Yes. And Roche, by the way, Roche limits are way more interesting than I even, even I had been led to understand from my brief research on the matter. Yeah. But I did make a claim 
Uh, no, I dismissed your assertion that it was based on the density of the. Can I just uh, stop you there? The you kind of dismissed quite a lot of things during that, you know, during that three or four minutes, Richard. I, I, I'm not going to accuse you of intellectual arrogance, but you know, when I said that the structural integrity uh, mattered, you said, "Of course, liquid and solid are different." Well, of course, yes, but and also the fact that there are other binding elements other than the solidity of. of of a planet means that some planets are harder to rip apart than others. But please, continue. Because I'm waiting for your grovelling. What did you say wrong, Richard? It is true that the Roche limit equation contains terms for the density of both bodies in it. It is true, yes. Some of us look that But up. I think there is an expression which doesn't. And it's usually given in terms of hard body versus soft body kind of limits. Because I think anything yeah. which is a, a fluid or non-fluid... I think anything which is um, fluid obviously can move freely, like an ocean or dust or stuff like that. And anything which is sure. a solid body doesn't move freely. And I think that's that's the dominating factor. That's the governing governing factor, yeah. yeah. But surely you can appreciate that limestone and granite behave differently under under destructive tidal tidal forces of gravity. That's a given, sure. Sure, but you know, I mean, in my defence, when you're doing gravitational and orbital calculations. You only use the center of yes. gravity of the bodies. You don't need to worry about the extension of the body. Okay, but this isn't what you said wrong, is it? You're you'd done a doo doo when you gone said that it, density was not that mass and density were, was essentially the governing the governing part of the equation. Fiddly bit, wasn't it? Am I right in that? It's just a lot more complicated than I gave it credit for. I think. And yeah, you can't simplify okay. it probably okay. without without density cropping into it. Although I think there might be a version of the equation where the densities might have cancelled out if they're both the same. Like if they're made of the same stuff, like the moon and the earth, probably you don't need to worry about their densities because they're probably very similar. I think no, they're very because the moon is made of earth stuff, isn't it? It is made of earthy earthy stuff. Yeah. Why do you keep making those noises? I'm breathing on my fingernails and. and- Polishing them on my chest in a, in, a, in a sign of well, in an invisible sign of victory, <laughs> in a visual, Sweet. a visual motif. <laughs> yes. Once again, back to our favourite thing, which is visual motifs described audiolingually. Right. Okay. So, so that's that's your humble pie gone and eaten. We also discussed free fall. Was it the same as zero gravity? That kind of thing. I mean, obviously, you were right about it Obvious. being the same because of whatever Einstein's equivalence principle. Equivalence principle would indicate. So there you go, Richard. I'll, I'll, I'll offer you a, a gratuity on the house because because you've been so so willing to self-criticise. Thank you very much. Right. So is that is that uh, the corrections over and done with? Hopefully. No, not quite. I do have a question. Oh hell, listeners! It yeah. relates to something that has been a minor mystery since the start of the podcast, and that is yeah. in relation to our opening theme music. Which oh, wow. I can exclusively reveal now is the work of yourself, Paul. <laughs> well, opening or closing theme music? Well, both. I know that the both are your handiwork, but they, they're quite different styles, aren't they? They are rather, yes. People have asked what the meaning... Created on a gossamer thread, really. You know, I, I, you know fleetingly created and unable to be reproduced in studio here, hereafter, you know. Grab it while you can. Yeah, sorry. People have asked what, Richard? It's bottle lightning, Paul. No one is disputing that. But people have asked <laughs> what, what the meaning is. 
Of what? Of the farty sounds? No, no. Of the the words spoken during the intro music. Oh, okay. That well, that isn't really intro music. That's an audio montage. I would more describe oh, yes. it as. Yeah. I see. Yes. 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 So, so well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? But I mean, that was never supposed to be published. That was like a little <laughs> little prototype demo to to. I was showing you what I thought like an intro for this kind of podcast about science fiction, about movies, should sound like. Uh, and you went and published it. Thank you very much, Richard. Although I assume I ticked a box at some point allowing you to do that. But yes, yeah, so what is the meaning of the words? Yes, yes. And what is the, what are the words people have asked? Well, it's difficult to say because, of course, it was it was a very rough prototype. So, so I think I recorded some of it on Audacity and then played it from Audacity on my laptop to my other laptop to record on Audacity you know, several tracks at a time for some reason because I wanted to mix them in a certain... I wanted to mix them live. So, whatever, I don't know. It was very bad quality. So, you can't actually tell what the words are. Free nachos and a foaming thermos of fun would be my interpretation. I mean, I've heard it many times now, of course. Yes, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, drive-by cinema. Free nachos and a foaming thermos of fun... Uh, the idea was, I think we were going to have a graphic ident with uh, like a crazy fluorescent kind of gay bikers on acid kind of slightly gothicy, populate itself. People remember these kind of bands. I don't know. Post-industrial biker on some sort of uh, hell machine in fluorescent, probably a skeleton kind of person drinking a foaming thermos, a thermos of coffee, but not. Yeah, but not of coffee, of nitrogen, you know, of liquid nitrogen and, and chemicals, you know, kind of thing. So uh, it, was, it was, yes, on a motorbike. It's a mystery uh, science theatre type thing. Yes. So it was supposed to tie in with a visual theme that nobody ever got around to making. So you're really describing a, a Dewar flask, not really a thermos. Yeah, but you wouldn't really take a Dewar flask to, no. to a movie the theater, cinema, would you? No, that would be... Well, if you did, you'd say it was a thermos flask full of coffee. <laughs> These days, I mean, when was when were thermos flasks invented? Oh, that's a good question. Twentieth century or earlier than that? Oh, you mean the original? Yeah, I did, I was actually reading about this like a few years back. I, I'm roughly early twentieth, I think. On a, on a hunch, what would your guess be, Richard? I mean, it, it could be earlier, couldn't it? It could hark back to that era where there were a bunch of scientists all desperately trying to condense gases. There was that period when Priestley and a bunch of other people were going to lower and lower temperatures and, and stuff with glassware and pressure vessels and stuff that kept imploding. Yeah. Anyway, by the power of Googly, I've just, uh, or go ogle for those of us using it late at night, I've just found out that it's 1902, so I was right. However... 20th century, nice. The, the glass-sealed vacuum... Sorry, the vacuum seal glass flask was actually invented in 1892 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So, but thermos itself, the commercial concern of producing them, began in 1902. Seems to me that if the thermos was invented nowadays, it would be on Kickstarter as some exciting <laughs> new like beverage transportation mechanism or system. In fact, it would be called Therm OS, probably, which is not a product. It is a system in which uh, we introduce the beverage and a device in the Therm OS will detect what that beverage is. And when you wish to use it at a later date, we will send someone around (laughs) on a bike with a 
freshly made coffee or tea or whatever beverage you put in the Therm OS. <laughs> right. So where were we, Richard? Oh, is it time for a musical sting? God, I hope so. Here it comes. Right, let's move swiftly on to tonight's showing. It is High Life, to remind everybody. Uh, High Life 2018, starring the redoubtable, or unredoubtable, I've got no idea what that word means, Robert Pattinson, who lately who lately shone in uh, Tenet, did he, did he not? Yes, he is flavour of the moment, isn't he? He's looking a little bit different here, less dapper, and a bit more like a criminal. Yeah. Because all of the stars of this uh, film, I think, are convicted lifers, aren't they? I believe. I'm not so sure about the captain and the doctor. They are, yeah. They're all no, they're all they're all they're all criminals. All of them, a whole lot of them. The doctor there, played by Juliet yeah. Binoche, 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 that famous Binoche. bird, yeah, Binoche. yeah, that famous yeah. bird, yeah. Who is she? But what's she been in? I can't remember. Okay, so Robert plays plays Monty. It's a very posh name for a crim, isn't it? Really. Robert, I can't help thinking, looks a bit like a, like like a James Blunt, but with stubble and an Adderall addiction. He looks a bit wimpy in this movie. You think so? He's got a shaved head. He has. Doesn't make him look tougher. Juliet looks uh, ravishing, as always. So the story here is these uh, lifers, these people on life sentences, are given the opportunity, a choice, as it were, to join a scientific programme which involves space travel. Yeah. I suppose the idea is that they're not expected ever to return, and it's a one-way trip. Is that the sense you got? That it's explicitly stated later on, the, later, later on in the movie, yeah. yeah. But that's the sense you get anyway, before they tell you that. And so we open to Robert playing Monty. Uh, among the moss, lichen, and fruits of what seems to be some sort of uh, forest garden. Except he's not. He's on a spaceship, isn't he? He is. And there's a lot of... That's not where we start, I don't think. But there's a lot of non-linear storytelling going on here. Ah, yes. Actually, this is the end of the movie, isn't it? This is it. Yeah, you have to piece together the narrative flow once you've seen the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, all the time it's jumping around and... Well, I didn't. I just read the plot synopsis afterwards. (laughs) That would make more sense. No, at the start of the movie... He's outside the spaceship on a spacewalk and he is repairing something. He's got a panel open and he's got a spanner or something. You're right. Yeah, but a minute before that, we get a shot of the inner inner forest garden of moss, lichen and fruits. Also accompanied by a very nice Bon Tempe keyboard musical, uh, musical, musical backing. But yeah, then two minutes in, we have Baby saying da-da, da-da. But we have a baby. You're coming straight to the baby here. Well, I thought it was going to be a Dardais kind of art house thing. But it wasn't. It was just a baby saying dada. When I ask you the usual question of what yeah. this film is all about. Oh, God. Well, don't stump me because I have no answer. Well, it's it's a film about nihilism, right? It's a film about nothing meaning anything. But it's also a film about a guy getting to know his daughter. Raising his daughter? I don't know. No. <sighs> I mean, you could say, is it about reformation of criminals? Potentially. Is it like, you know, about what happens when you put criminals in charge of criminals? Possibly. Is it about nihilism, about stuck in the wide blue yonder when nothing matters? Probably. Or is it about lots and lots of non-consensual sex? Yes, most definitely. I don't know what it's trying to say. 
I think maybe you know, yeah, a criminal reform by his daughter, bringing up a daughter kind of thing is is, is the takeaway here. But uh, bitty in terms of what well, I it's think either he's to get across pure nihilistic kind of depression, moody stuff, or it's kind of it's a soft porn piece for women who like images of bare-chested men holding babies. You know that. You know, there's a genre of porn for women. Is all about. <laughs> well, it is, babies. but there's also there's also ten minutes of rape and non-consensual sex as well. So it's kind of a mixed bag in yeah. terms of potential what people might find potentially sexually sexually charged about this movie. You know, uh, there's some very soft daddy porn and 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 then really lots of ugly sexual scenes. So I don't know yeah, really true. what it's about. I don't know what it's about. It doesn't have any sex bots, but it does have a fuck box. <laughs> I think that's what they call okay. it. Okay, I think we need to, got a room. Yeah, we need to. we need to get to explain this. I think we need to get back to the main storyline. Yes, there, there's there's a box where you you pleasure yourself. Except except uh, Monte Robert Patterson's character doesn't doesn't use it. He's 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 box celibate. He doesn't even celib doesn't decelibate himself with a box. No, amazingly. So, Paul, do do enlighten us about the plot of this movie, which you've deciphered by reading the plot synopsis. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, if I hadn't looked at that afterwards, I would have no idea. The, the front was the back and the back was the front. and <laughs> I would never put this jigsaw together. Uh, even though it is an incredibly slow movie. I think, you know, what are slow movies usually about? Well, usually about nothing. That's why they're slow and moody, because they're lacking any kind of... Any kind of... There's no, there's no thesis being presented behind this movie. Okay, so they're in space. They've been sent on this mission to be experimented on ostensibly, but also to explore for a black hole. I think they know that's what they're doing. And uh, there's a weird doctor on board that wants to breed them all, or and, sorry, artificially inseminate and produce babies by non-natural means. And so none of them are allowed to have sex. Hence, they have the decelibatizing box that they all use. And that's it, really. They're all, they're all ex-crims, and things go wrong, and people die. That's that's all I can really describe about it. That's a great summary. That really is kind of all that happens. Yeah. I, I read later. I didn't. I didn't really read a full synopsis, but I did have to find out what they were supposed to be doing. Now the doctor says that, as you say, she's doing some kind of fertility experiment. I think there's some idea about radiation and trying to figure out whether or not babies, the babies yes, that are born, that's will be it, radiation yeah. proof or something. Yes, but. Um, they're also on the way to a black hole. In fact, I think they go to more than one black hole. Maybe I'm confused about that. Again, non-linear stuff. They do go to two, yeah. But I think yeah. they're going to a black hole. So that... And, and I read somewhere, I didn't get this in the movie, but I read somewhere that they were experimenting with the ideas of using black holes as an energy source. And that's not completely pie in the sky. There's plenty of energy to be had. That's why they're heading towards a black hole, yeah, to to farm its energy, yeah, or p- potentially to explore whether its energy can be farmed. Yeah, I I think this is an idea that is talked about. Uh, I'm not quite sure how you would harness the energy of a black hole, but obviously you're on a very steep gravitational well, and you could drop things toward it, for instance, maybe. I don't know. Well, that's they talk about the pen. They talk about the Penrose, the Penrose process, which is uh, posited. I mean, it's it's, it's based on very, very. Yeah, it's based on very, very secure space science about what we know about black holes. And the idea is that if you drop 
a, a large massive object into the black hole in a certain way and split it at a crucial moment, one part of it will head towards the black hole and the other part will shoot out, like rim around, rim around the, the there's, a, there's a limit where objects don't get sucked into the black hole. And as they split apart and the angular momentum of the black hole is transferred to, to both parts of the, the massive object, somehow in the equation, the although all momentum is conserved, the energy of the outer part will increase almost infinitely, and then you can harvest that kinetic energy somehow. That's that's the principle of it. But how do you harvest that kinetic energy? Well, I don't know, but in the movie they were just going to drive into a black hole anyway, so it doesn't matter. So <laughs> they just drove they just drove into the black hole. So that's that. Do they have a pilot with them? And she gets in this strange, like, coffin-like pod to fly around the black hole, I think, as you're describing. But but she doesn't, because she gets killed. She gets killed by the other girl. She gets killed before she gets in the pod, yeah. And then the girl yeah. who gets in the pod in her place, maybe she doesn't know how to drive it properly, because she's not a pilot, apparently. But they encounter a cloud of particulate matter in the halo over the black hole and it diverts her toward the singu- towards the singularity towards the event horizon and she gets spaghettified she dies through spaghettification yes through spaghettification which is just being stretched according to the way that black holes stretch shall we call it time space um yeah well, so t- but that's all by the by it's tidal forces again spag- spaghettification i Okay, that's all by the by. We do eventually find this out. And it is eventually because it takes 17 minutes for the movie's titles to appear, which is uh, incredible. So a real slow starter. So in fact, what we get before those 17 minutes is actually a is actually the, the final moments, I think, I guess, where everybody's dead and Robert Pattinson is with his daughter, yeah, uh, his young baby daughter. Uh, and that's how the movie starts. Mm. Although, in chronological terms, that should really be somewhere towards the end of the movie. So, uh, and I don't know what's relevant about the fact the baby was screeching so much. The power of the screech, he dropped a spanner into space. Uh, and then, incongruously, we get somebody dropping raw heart and liver into an oil can. I was thinking, oh my God, this is going to be uh, really arty. I don't know what that was, that was about. So the dropping spanner, I thought, initially, my initial response was that, that they were making a mistake, right? Yeah, because he's out in space on a spacewalk fixing the exterior of the ship at the yeah. opening shots of the movie, and he, as you say, he drops a spanner on a surface and it falls off the edge and falls. Yeah, but of course that's not a mistake. Actually, what's happening there, and it's not explained in the movie, but it, I suppose you you have to infer it, is they're on a ship that's accelerating at roughly speaking one g. Ah, so things do fall because. And again, we're back to the equivalence principle. You can't tell the difference between being in uh, being on a planet, say, and accelerating in a ship at 1G is indistinguishable, instrumentally or physiologically. Well, not necessarily physiologically, what we know about physi- physiology. That's why they have a ladder and stuff in the ship. Because, I mean, look, about, look oh. at it. Okay, yeah. sharks. Oh, oh, which animal sends out sound waves and sees with the sound wave? I don't know. Dolphins. <laughs> well, we could we could have dark matter sonar. You don't know in our brains, so we might be able to sense sense gravity, real gravity as opposed to acceleration, with 
with Dark Matter, Dark Matter Sonar? You don't know. Because that will bounce off the heavier gravity nearby and you can construct a 3D image of the of the time space, couldn't you? Which with acceleration you wouldn't get. So let me get this straight. You're positing like a cosmic sixth sense that we all have. Potentially, yeah. We don't know, do we? Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really follow Occam's razor, does it? As a moot point, we don't know our entire physiology. And so you think this is good reason to challenge the equivalence principle? Well, not challenging the equivalence principle at all. I mean... If you were to follow follow nature and, and physical nature, you would say that ultraviolet is a brighter color than 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 purple. We, we can't see ultraviolet, can we? It's more energetic. Yeah, in that sense, it's brighter. Yeah. Well, yeah, but not to our eyes. So mm. um, I can see I've annoyed you. Look, okay, look, right, okay. So <laughs> so they're dropping raw heart and liver into an oil can, and that's never explained. That's just like a random shot. I was thinking, oh my god, it's going to be so arty. Now you know I'm not a huge proponent for Disney values, but there's a there's a there's a famous Disney musical uh, musical movie called High School Musical, is it not? Where everybody's going for auditions, and the uh, drama teacher has a brown boy and a white girl performing for auditions. I only remember their colours because I don't remember anything else about them. You know, the, the identifying features are, are relevant here because I can't remember other details. Before yeah, we know we know why you're recognising their colours, don't we? <laughs> so, anyway, they do this weird thing where they kind of they kind of creep all each other and talk about, you know, oh, uh, I hope you're feeling okay. And uh, the drama teacher's just disgusted by it uh, and says, go and see a therapist. And I kind of... I don't want to have reactionary values to 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 the arty moments in this movie, but I kind of felt that I just felt, oh, please go and see a therapist. We don't want to see random shots of raw heart and liver being dropped into oil cancer. Why? But I guess it's supposed to be a big nihilistic thing, isn't it? Yeah, and then we get naked children. Yeah, lots of really naked children being being nappy changed, and then we're into the movie. Okay, so Richard, take us on from here. Where do we go from here? I don't know, really. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me this question. I mean, it, nothing much else happens. I mean, the plot of the movie is, as you say, yeah, that these people who have been told they can't have sex, but are constantly, this doctor's constantly trying to make them pregnant, and the lady's pregnant, and constantly getting sperm donations off the men. Uh, you know, it's like a pressure cooker of, of people who are you know, finishing a, a death sentence, effectively, on this spaceship. In interstellar space, we have to assume, right? Yes. And at some point, some of them, you know, they get more and more cranky and one of them cracks at some point and he winds up tying some of the girls up and attempting to rape one of them. And Well, wait a minute. Before all that, because we saw like the cryogenic chambers, didn't we, at the beginning? Uh, Just after... I decided that this was going to be a story about a, a nice daddy and his daughter, like a mute Eminem meets Super Nanny kind of thing, and it didn't turn out to be that. And then suddenly <laughs> we switched to like we switched to <laughs> we switched to him having you know like giving his diary entries, and then all of a sudden it's like I thought God, it's going to be necrophilia. It's going to be like you know like these cryogenic people being being abused kind of thing. Jimmy Savile must have been, must have been saying God is bountiful if he'd been on this if he'd been on this trip, you know. I mean, we're seeing again a, a, an image from a scene later in the narrative, in the plot, aren't we? Where all of his crew mates have died from one cause or another. Some of them as a consequence of yeah. the violence that occurs, I think. And he's, he has to manhandle all of his crewmates' dead bodies into the airlock area and throw them off the ship. Uh, and all under one sure. G acceleration 
it's tough work moving dead human bodies. So, I mean, viewers and listeners decide for yourself, is it a plus or minus point, you know, the minutes of non-consensual sexual activity? And some of that non-consensual activity really creepy and slow too. You know, if this is what's meant by psychological horror science movie, science fiction movie, if, if we mean that, then maybe it is. For me, the terror and the, the horror was the prospect of facing this and enduring this unending boredom. <laughs> it was just really dull, but also... Really, really creepy and just, uh, just everything about it just gives you the chills. I thought this movie. Well, it's successful in that I sense. D- I didn't see any warmth in it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. No, there's certainly no warmth. In it. Oh, well, you say that though. He does grow fond enough of his daughter to raise her. Although, and again, as usual, massive spoiler alert. At the end of the movie, he just flies into a black hole with her. Oh yeah, yeah. So two people just kind of fly into black holes. But what else could they do? I suppose that was it. That One thing that was quite creepy and unpleasant about the film was the way that it seemed they had to report in every day on that yeah. computer thing. And when they did so, it says 24 hours further life support, uh, you know, authorised or whatever. I see, yeah. yeah. Well, they're prisoners, aren't they? And, and they would have been on death row anyway. But, I mean, I can, I can sympathise because... In my notes here, I've got my bored doodle count. So in any movie I'm watching, <laughs> I note down the time at which I start doodling in the margins. And it's 21 minutes. So 21 minutes was an eternity for me. So I, I, I can really sympathise with them that they might just want to fly into a black hole to, just to end it all. Uh, because there wasn't a lot going on apart from death and misery and guts being thrown into an oil can. Well, we're seeing 17 years of story, aren't we, being depicted? Something of that order. Yeah. I mean, we, we see the girl, his daughter, when she's a baby, and we see her when she's 16, 17-year-old or something. We do, we do. We see her fully grown up. But I was hoping at this point you were going to say, Paul, can you describe your doodle to me? Okay. Because then we'd have another, we'd have another chance to describe, describe a visual graphic medium. moments. Yeah. Yes. Visual memes through an audiolingual Okay, uh, then. So, Paul, channel. tell me... Tell me about your doodle. No, it's okay. Uh, look, <laughs> also, yeah, uh, there's lots of wailing babies in this in this movie. So if you like to relax to the ASMR of, of wailing babies, go ahead and rent it. Uh, there's also a weird kind of oriental versus occidental moment on a train where uh, a professor from India starts talking about how Western governments are behaving. I like to call them the brain on the train. And then we don't see him again. I don't know yeah, what that's what all was about. That about. Were they trying Nothing. to justify the whole program? Is that what that was about? I think so. It was supposed to be backstory, but it just appeared and then disappeared and was never was never connected with the rest of the movie. Look, okay. So I think it was to suggest that this was it was to set up the backstory so that we would all be very clear that these prisoners were not there with their free will. Well, of course they're not. They're not. They're not free people. But more than that. That it was kind of like a modern form of press gangery. Maybe they hadn't committed the crimes and were sent uh, to space. Maybe they should have been coming back and weren't coming back. It was just to set a sinister back tone, I think, to the movie. I think. You said that they were on death row, but I'm... No, I'm lying about that. They were just on life sentences, right? Yeah. Let's just, whilst we're on this subject then, point out that the death sentence, capital uh, punishment is... Yeah, bonkers, and stupid, and wrong. Sorry, are you are you interrupting our podcast for the part of part of the little broadcast, Richard? It just struck me when I was watching this that yeah, 
a life sentence is a death sentence, is a form of death sentence, right? Yeah. A life sentence with no possibility of parole is just a very long death sentence. Also, an interesting point, the people in control of society are perhaps bigger criminals than the rest of us, which I think is a valid point. Do you think it would be unethical to ask prisoners to carry out this kind of research? I mean, first of all, the you know the leader of of this society, this space society, is a criminal herself, and she brags. She says, "You know, I'm a bigger criminal than the rest of you." And she does say that. Yeah, there's some blurring of the blurring of the lines. Of, you know, what are our values in society? Are our original values criminal anyway? You know, what we judge as morality is it is it just more successful criminality? I think, I think there is a think piece potentially to be explored with this movie. They don't go they don't go down that avenue. I guess because we're all sick of you know reality TV and Big Brother kind of TV shows that try and set this up, these kind of debates up and fail to. But, yeah, she does say that. So, I don't know. What was your question, Richard? Hold on. You were saying, would it be be moral? No, of course it would be wrong to do this. Listen, listen. So, the doctor, is she a convicted criminal who's been put there under similar uh, restrictions? No, well... So, so she's not simply saying that she's a bit of a criminal. She is actually... No, no, she smothered all... She smothered... She's mothered hundreds of children. Yeah, she's she's grotesque. Mm. She's a grotesque. Okay, Harold Shipman kind of criminal. Now she rapes uh, Monty. Yes, that is the event that precipitates his daughter being born because she's giving them all sedatives, isn't she, to That's try right, and keep yeah. them under control and strapping them into their beds. And when things start to get a bit unpleasant, she doubles the dose, which was expressed. Right on the nose by her just adding two shots of that brown stuff into yeah. the water supply. They seem That's all right. to be like drug addicts, are they not? She's giving them drugs every day. And I think that's what keeps them pliant is that they're all, they have to do what she says or she won't give them the drugs they need. So her aim is to inseminate barren females, barren because potentially because of the space radiation, with criminal underclass sperm. Uh, and has she chosen these for genetically propitious reasons, or is it just the people that she can get on board? I don't know, but it's not, it's never said. But that's what she's up to. And uh, at this point, we have some really gratuitous, gratuitous instrumental music, which I quite liked. It was like Kraftwerk meets uh, a freaky naked woman with matted hair building a house with stones in the middle of a f- freeway in downtown Kuala Lumpur. On, on her own like little Bon Tempe keyboard. It was crazy. There was some really good <laughs> instrumental music. And yeah, and then two rapes in quick succession, really. I'm not sure that I buy these inmates as, you know, hardened criminals that you were describing. Right. They don't seem, mostly they don't seem the criminal types, apart from the rapist and the doctor who seems psychotic. All of the others seem maybe troubled, but not hardened criminals. Oh no, they're not hardened criminals, but they, they, you know they've they, they've done something, maybe crimes of passion or or crimes of necessity that, that that are serious. I think like the lead character Robert Bobby, old Bobby, old Bobby's character, he's in for murdering his best friend because his best friend killed his dog, kind of thing. His dog, yeah, as a kid. Do you think that he would have gotten yeah. a life sentence for such a crime? That doesn't seem as plausible, a does it? Considering no. that you know the no, it doesn't seem plausible. Exactly. Yeah, so I have a bit of a problem with the depiction of the the characters as uh, prisoners. But it's it's like I think it's a movie that's trying to be art house in a certain sort of way, which is strange for a science fiction movie. So so like I think because of that, it needs its characters to feel cultured, 
Uh, I think that's part of the reason. Like mm. when they swear, there's lots of gratuitous swearing, but they swear in whispers and they pause <laughs> before the swear word, you know. Hence, it's cultured, you know. They pause and pronounce their swear words, you know. And uh, I don't know. There's lots of that going on where they're. It's not about how the characters are. It's more about the feel of the movie that they want to get across. And I think that comes into play here in terms of how fully rounded out the characters are, which is not very. Now, we need to talk about the fuck box because <laughs> it's just really a cubicle, isn't it? With a piece of furniture in it, yeah. which uh, you can buy. I mean, you can go to Uber Kinky or whatever, or Love Honey or whatever it's called, and you can buy one of these fuck chairs, I think. Yeah, they're like a... We've got a thing with a dildo in it, which moves as you kind of rock on it. I think that's what that was what was being depicted. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's it, that's what it is. But why why does this fascinate you, Richard? Would you, are you suggesting an improvement to the design? When you're seeing science fiction, you see a prop that is supposed to look futuristic, but you recognise it as being <laughs> perhaps you know an unusual design, but ordinary thing. You know, like a special yeah. kind of telephone, or you know, you know what I mean. Uh, like a, you sometimes see a, like an executive toy used as a prop in a on a spaceship, or oh, quite often it's a joystick. You know, like a Logitech peripheral <laughs> that someone has put onto you know the flight deck of a spaceship. You know that kind of thing. I do. I understand completely what you're talking about. Essentially, you're talking about the death of Santa Claus, aren't you? That moment where you realise that. <laughs> that, that those presents you just found on your parents' bed are actually going to be under the Christmas tree in a week's time. Yeah, it's an awful moment. <laughs> I think there's a moment at Halloween or whatever. I don't know if you had Halloween parties when you were a kid. For some reason, my family are quite Americanized, and we did do. And you know the feely box, and then you realise no, it's just it's just a cardboard box with with wrapping paper with some raw liver inside, oh. and and it's not scary at all. So, is that a normal? Is that a normal childhood thing? Your parents making you touch raw liver? No, no. <laughs> I don't think it's a normal thing. But we certainly had a feely box in, in our house. <laughs> I think it was raw liver. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not. No, I'm not going to say those things that I know that I should be saying, but can't do because it's a podcast. But insert your own inappropriate joke about about incest here. About okay. raw liver. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, now we're on to entering a black hole. Sorry, oh god, it doesn't stop, does it? Once you start these things. <laughs> the other thing about the footbox is, apart from the uh, sex furniture inside it, is a lot of fluid yeah. comes out of that pipe outside, like the drain pipe. <laughs> oh, please, I wasn't. I didn't understand that. <laughs> well, I think it's just supposed to be gruesome detail, isn't it? Look, can can we just get back to the non-consensual sex for a second? So, fifty-two minutes in, we have the first set of rape and then an hour and seven minutes in we have the second set the first is the male on female the second is the female on male and do you know what i was reminded of in both circumstances was hippie commune sex you know how hippies have sex in communes right i mean it is a reference i mean i was born slightly after the hippie period let's say that people didn't call it rape back then did they you know a lot of second wave and obviously third wave feminists you know, say the hippie movement was just a horrible, horrible thing to happen to, to, to women. And if you want it confirmed, then I suggest you watch that Netflix movie about the Bagwan, the Osho. Oh God, yeah. 
Do you know, do you know Bhagwan, the famous Indian guru? Yeah. Who came to move to Montana, I think it was, and set up his own uh, his own Rajaspuram or, or yeah. retreat over there. And the footage there, the violence of the communal, uh, supposedly consensual sex, is just it's just terrifying. And I think this went on for ten or fifteen years in the hippie communes. So yeah, uh, hippie communes were a really regressive step for for for, for the for the emanci- eman- emancipation and emancipative power of women. I think. I mean, in the circumstances that are in the film, it's almost understandable that you know these that any such rules would break down. I mean, uh, yes, yeah. You know, who who is controlling them? No one is controlling them. So is this a central theme of the movie that that criminality is essentially irrecoverable? And that if you put lots of criminals on a rocket ship, ruled ruled by a criminal, lots of criminal things will happen. <laughs> are, 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 is this is this is this a story of the lack of redemptive capability of criminals, or or I don't know. Again, the central theme, it's it's up there as a will o' the wisp. It's up there with the gadflies and 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 the dragonflies. I don't know what this movie is about. Now, towards the end of the movie, we're over the hump now. Towards the end of the movie, not very much happens. They go through a molecular cloud. As opposed to an anti-molecular cloud. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Does that mean it's not asteroids? It's just little bits of mo- molecules. I presume so. Yes. Right. That was only the that was only the the lady in the pod that went around the black hole, though. I don't think the other. I don't think the main ship oh, in, did that. Coffin in her coffin. Yeah. Okay. So she was in her coffin heading through a molecular cloud, and then we got some more great music. This time it's Dead Can Dance meets Zanarkis meets Gotya. Gautier? I don't know how you say that band. Somebody I used to know. How do you pronounce their name? Is it Gautier? I'm sure one of our listeners will be able to tell us. Uh, and then there's some dogs about one hour 34 in, in another spaceship. Oh, God, I've forgotten the dog yeah. ship. There's a floating spaceship. That, that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. So the, the idea here is that this is ship number seven. They're hypothesized that were other ships. I mean, it's pretty obvious if you're number seven, isn't it? But they encounter another of these ships. I'm not really sure how they would encounter it if they're all travelling at, like, <laughs> gee, how would you ever catch up with one of them? But anyway, know. they go across. It's full of dogs. And it's full of dogs. Why is it full of dogs? Eating each no other. Sense. It's full of cannibalistic dogs. And how did they survive for any length of time? Well, they're eating each other. Yeah, but how long would a pack of dogs be able to survive eating one another? Not, about, not that long. You, about you a year, I think. You know. <laughs> so, works. what are the chances of meeting meeting them just as they've started becoming cannibalistic? Yeah, quite opportunistic uh, screenplay, isn't it? Really. Uh, so, yeah. So, there's some dogs, and then, like you say, she's gone off in a shuttle shuttle coffin into the black hole, died. The doctor commits suicide. Yeah. Oh, she just ejects herself out of the airlock. I think, doesn't she? She does. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much everybody dies apart from. Uh, the guy and his daughter, and then they go and kill themselves, presumably by heading into a black hole. So everybody dies. So, would you guess this is a Hollywood movie or not a Hollywood movie, Richard? This is not a Hollywood movie. By the way, when she hops out of the airlock, she doesn't fall. There's a shot of her body just like hanging there, isn't there? Yeah. So are we to assume that the ship has stopped somehow in relation to something or other? It's no longer accelerating when she jumps out of the airlock. I guess so. I mean. It's it's flying at a steady speed to its destination, isn't it? Therefore, it's not accelerating. I would imagine is what we're supposed to presume, although unlikely. So when he empties the bodies out and drops, no, when he drops a spanner and the and empties the bodies out, they're accelerating. But when she yeah. 
hops out. She's then they're not. They stopped. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Are you asking to advocate for the fact that it's not shoddy? No, I'm not. I mean, it, it does sound a bit <laughs> shoddy, doesn't it? <laughs> it just doesn't. It doesn't hang together, does it? I don't really understand. We've been at real pains to describe where it goes and how it goes and and uh, what it's trying to do. And I, I don't think we can get a grasp on this movie, can we? So, so yeah. So, but it's written and directed by Claire Denis. Canadian? It's Canadian film, isn't it? Is it Canadian? Ah, oh, right, okay. I think we so. Well, I don't know where you watched this movie, Paul, but I watched it on a service I'd never heard of called Mubi on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's where I watched it, and I'm about to unsubscribe from having watched <laughs> unsubscribe it. Unsubscribe <laughs> from the seven-day free trial, yeah. Because I think it's just foreign films, isn't it? Isn't that what it is? It is, yeah. Foreign films that you have to pay £7.99 to watch otherwise. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, we've gone to the artisanal grocer who gets his cucumbers from Tesco's, <laughs> takes off the cellophane, and then charges you £4.50 for the privilege of buying from a wicker basket in his, you know, in his, in his shop window. We've, I think it's that kind of outfit, isn't it, really? Yes. Yes, I'm not tempted by this particular example of what's on there <laughs> to, to remain subscribed any longer than I strictly have to. Yeah, not the greatest repository, I don't think. Unless you want to stick it up your bum. Which is what some people do with... Oh, no, that's suppository. I'm sorry. So what is to recommend about this film? Whew, well, does that mean... Well, shall we just do the scores instead? <laughs> we can do that. We can do yeah. the scores, sure. What's there to recommend? I think we should... Well, yes. Vast of Night. If you like the Vast of Night, really, really slow movies that maybe are trying to be cleverer than the person who's written them is, then yeah, go for it. <laughs> That's not really a positive that you've you've given us. But I mean, I understand I think where it is. It's a nice slow mood. Vitriol comes. It's a nice from. slow mood movie. It's a mood, <laughs> like the it's Vast like... of Night. It is a mood, yeah. And like the, the mood Vast is of Night, realism. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the massive night, the the characters die at the end, yeah. Oh god, yeah. So and there's not much really I mean I don't want you to sell me hope. I don't want you to generate hope. I don't <laughs> think films should be hope generation machines. I'm not asking you in some Chomsky way to, to manufacture the framework through which I can I can I can navigate and deal and, and deal with reality in my everyday life. I'm not asking for films to be a solve for the soul, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I think if you're going to present a nihilistic movie, then there has to be it has to present a nihilistic thesis that you can bounce off. And there was nothing there. It was just it was just lots of really really quite depressing imagery and lots of lots of really quite depressing things happening. Uh, they had some lockdown food, didn't they? There was some carrot soup <laughs> served, and yeah. it's a lockdown movie, isn't it? It's it's yeah, a bubble. It's a, a single family unit, and also they moved out to the suburbs and got themselves a really nice garden. <laughs> yeah. So it's very locked out. And the fuck box. <laughs> That's very well. For, uh, for talking from personal experience, that is really locked down. <laughs> <laughs> so the science in this movie is not. Bad, really. I mean, other yeah. than the one or two little issues we might have, I think they had a science advisor who talked to them about black holes and Penrose. Uh, the Penrose process, I think it's termed. Yeah, Penrose yeah. process, which is a positive process. They depicted acceleration 
of the spaceship correctly. You know, a, a, a naive director might have had everything floating around in zero G, or as we discussed last time, not in zero G. Freefall, in freefall. Yeah, so in freefall, yeah. But yeah, they, they got it right. So I think the science is pretty good. So let's talk about science scores. Yeah, I, I have to concur with that. The science, I thought, was pretty solid. Uh, they didn't make a glancing approach toward the black hole. They flew straight in. But they did make a glancing approach towards the solid science. I think the science being built on quite solid principles. We could have had an exposition about the, the Penrose process, for example. We could have gone into it in a little more depth. We could have flown into that black hole called science and uh, and illuminated it for, for 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 the viewers and i thought that's it's only failing what science there was i don't think there were any major faults at all uh there just wasn't that much of it and it it wasn't central or wasn't positioned as a central prop to 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 the to the, to the staging so for me 7.5 hmm yeah i was thinking between a 7 and an 8 but i'm going to give it a soft 8 i think i think it's all right good score yeah good score for the science what do you want to do next? I was hoping you were going to choose, Richard. Well, I was thinking of a couple of weird scenes. I mean, there were several weird scenes, but there was one where they were all exercising <laughs> and they were like crawling down the corridor. <laughs> what, what kind of exercise is that? I don't know. I guess yeah. this comes under like storyline plot kind of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. And there's lots of things about the plot you don't want to process about this movie. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, the plot was pretty awful. I'm going to have to give it a two. Listen, the non-chronological narrative stuff that's going on. Oh, please don't do that, yeah. Oh, Did you like well, that? Well, imagine how like dull it. it would have been if they just told it <laughs> in a linear fashion. The right fashion. way. <laughs> well, imagine how much more sense it would have made if they told it in a linear <laughs> fashion. I don't know. But yeah, there were so many things that didn't really pay off. Well, you know why? Why did any of it happen? It's not none of it is really explained. No, no. I think we're just led to believe that there is a good reason for it all, but that we don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of plot, and I'm going to include characterization here. We needed somebody down on Earth Base Alpha. Be a criminal or a villain trying to force them to do something. We needed some connection to Earth. We needed it rooted in the reason they were there. And it was all very nebulous as to why they were there and what they were doing and how it came to pass. And I think that's what they were missing was was a tension between where they were and back on Earth, which I think most science fiction movies in this situation would use. But they didn't. Yeah, that's what's missing. Didn't. Nobody had an agenda, really. No, well, nobody they, had a conflicting they may have agenda. Had. But we, we, didn't, we, we don't know, know about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that's the biggest hole in this plot is, is is we don't know why they're doing it. Maybe they are doing it for a reason, but we're not to know. And so we can't get involved with them. So a two for me. What's your score, Rich? I'll give it a three, generously. Ooh, generous. Okay, cool. So what about action and special effectsy? I think the special effects was reasonably good. I mean, the ship design, you know, they, they were just like yeah. these slab-like, you know, rectilinear things, which, yeah. you know, it's good. I like that. It's realistic, isn't it? You wouldn't spend much time on a prison ship you're sending to be crushed in a black <laughs> hole, would you? So I liked it on the whole. Um, I think they did a reasonable job on a presumably small budget for an art house movie. 
Mm-hmm. The budget was eight million. Uh, the interior was great. You know, I thought it was convincing. Uh, the shots of the black hole were okay. Uh, again, not great, but how much money are you going to spend on that? And the ex- exterior shots of the spaceship, pretty good. I'm going to give it a six. Oh yeah, the shots of the black hole, which resembled the black hole in, in Interstellar, and of course that used Kip Thorne's calculations and, and another t- a team of scientists, I think, on the visualization of the black hole. And the way it's got that kind of that sort of disc around it, which is really reflected light from the other side of the black hole. Yeah. A bent light, not reflected. Well, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll give it a seven for the uh, special wow. effects. Wow. High praise indeed. Which leaves us with one more thing to say, which is the acting. It's kind of low-key performance, isn't it, from everybody except the Doctor. I, can I just give my score? I've really got nothing to say about the acting whatsoever. I'm going to give it a three. Whoa. Well, you didn't believe any of them. But I think it's the writing again. Hmm. I don't know whether we should be blaming the actors for some of this. No, I mean, I think here, you normally I'd say it, it is, you can separate those things. But the writing was so bad that it affected the acting to the extent the acting wasn't, wasn't couldn't yeah. be convincing, you see. They had so nothing was, to work with. They had nothing to work with. And ultimately, there'd be a grace, there'd be, there'd be some slack to be given to the actors for that, but this was unrescuable, I think. So so I'm going to have to give it a three. I'm sorry. I'll give it a five. I think uh, Juliet was pretty good. I think Robert carried it fairly well. The other characters I wasn't persuaded by. Again, I'm not. I'm, I'm loath to blame them, but I think a five is middle of the road enough that I'm, I'm hmm. um, safe doing that. Yeah. I mean, the point is boredom, confinement... Not very explosive descents into madness. But whatever they depict, I mean, it's difficult to do it well. But particularly when when it's done in such an unfocused unfocused plot. So it didn't really go anywhere, did it? And I think that the acting really suffered because of the plot and, and the scripting. Uh, so final score for me, unchanged, three. Which brings my final score, Richard, to a, a just below the bar, 4.5. I was thinking of a four myself. I can't oh, honestly dear. recommend anyone seeing this. I can't it's just recommend not this. Pleasant enough, is it? It doesn't ask any really meaningful questions. No, it doesn't. Or maybe it does, but it's not clear what it's asking. I could recommend it for you know a film a film studies student who wants to pick up tips about about how maybe not to approach some aspects of making a full length feature movie. <laughs> I think it might have worked as like a YouTube short, you know, the, the sort of twenty minutes. The 20-minute movies that uh, budding filmmakers put on YouTube. I think it could have worked like that. I just don't think there was enough, really, to hold your interest for, for, for 115 minutes, for crying out loud, you know. It wasn't really a horror movie, Paul. We failed, I think. We failed to get a horror yeah. movie for Halloween. It's it's not just Christmas. Halloween has been cancelled this year, too. So, so what do you expect? <laughs> Everybody, remain indoors. Bit of a bugger here, because I now have to pick a movie... <laughs> so I suggest a movie called Right at Your Door Right at my door Right at your door And can you give me a clue? What's it about? It's about a dirty bomb being detonated in Los Angeles, I think Okay, you're going to have to fill me on this What's a dirty bomb, Richard? A dirty bomb is a bomb which isn't very clean <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
It's available on Amazon Prime, which to my mind makes it a, a definite yes. So is this like a gritty science fiction thing? Or- Apparently. Uh, the synopsis is simply a dirty bomb goes off in Los Angeles, jamming freeways and spreading a toxic cloud. Okay. It's like speed, but without Keanu Reeves and with a more realistic and more deadly threat. Is that right? It's dystopian, which must make it a science fiction of some kind. As but would, um, would you call speed with Keanu Reeves a, a science fiction movie? You wouldn't, would you? This no. is a thriller, Richard. I'm not proposing we watch Speed. <laughs> I know, but how's this different from Speed, apart from he's not got Keanu Reeves in? Well, you'll have to watch and find out. It's I a mean, thriller. You promised me a horror. We didn't get a horror, so I'm giving okay. you sci-fi. Let's see. If- but be honest to me, in the description, does it say it's sci-fi? Yes, it says oh, it's okay. sci-fi. Okay, I believe you. Okay, I believe you. Okay, so we're going to watch right at, at your door. door. Okay. So it says it's so. mystery and thriller, drama, science fiction. Admittedly, it's third in the list, but a strong third. <laughs> <laughs> it's way above horror in the list. Let's just say that. <laughs> and it's only one hour and thirty minutes. What could possibly oh, go wrong? Sweet release. Okay, guys. So join us next week for Right at Your Door, which potentially does have some science fiction elements to it. Who knows? Dare to dream. Cue music. I think. Cue music. Three. Thank you.